Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode, we are talking about writing myths. I'm Russ Capasso. Joining me as always, Tim Ledney. Tim, what's your what's your biggest myth right now? I don't know. I guess that um, working in a job uh, will make you happy. That's a good one. That you can find <laughs> that that like working a nine to five, you can find meaning in your life. <laughs> That's a big myth. I think people pour a lot of their um, effort into the perfect job and then find themselves at the end of it all being like, wow, I worked a little too much. Yeah. Why did I not spend more time with the people I love? That's a good one. That's uh, a little deep. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, we could put that on bumper stickers too. Why nine to five? (laughs) Why nine to five? You know, question mark. Uh, Yeah. So how about you? Hold on. You got to answer that. You can't just give me a stumper. No, I totally can. I can absolutely do that to you. (laughs) Baloney. Yeah. Let's bring it up a little. Let's talk about writing myths. (laughs) Let's not be so macabre yeah writing this so this is kind of a f- interesting one i've come across i think we this came up because i came across a couple of blog posts every once in a while on the various writing blogs i follow where you've got someone who's just tossing out the myths of writing the, the things that we all hear as people getting into writing and people already in writing uh that um some can be you know these negative thoughts and some are yeah, I mean, I guess that's mostly what they are, right? Just I'll kind tell of you, like... I'm looking forward to talking about it because a lot of those I don't, um, I don't think are myths. I think they're actually true. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them. Some of them. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. So I pull up like five or six different, you know, just do quick Google searches as I usually do and a couple different articles. It's interesting to see there's definitely a couple that are common across the board. Do you want it? Should we go over the common ones first and see what we think about them? And then I don't mind going over some other folks. I think that we should make sure that we, um, in our resources, just link to where we grabbed them at some point. Yeah. Absolutely. Give those folks shout outs. Um, I came up with my own list. Okay. All right. I like that. Which I'm sure is similar to a lot of the other ones out there. And then I kind of hold some of the common ones that, that I completely disagree with. And maybe we can do that in the end. Yeah, well, why don't we do some of the, well, let's cover the common ones I saw across, like, poking around here. So, and, it. and throw out any ones that you, you may have come across. But see, the, the, the biggest one I came across was, uh, you need to write every day. That's so, a, I don't think that's a myth. I don't think that is either. I think you have to do that. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> I mean, I think there's some nuance, like, if you miss a day there's or caviar, whatever. Right, there's caviar. There's caviar this. to there's it. Caviar. Caveats to it. Caveats. <laughs> but I, I think that that's a goal it's something that you should i mean you shouldn't give up if you don't but i yeah. think it's something to strive for right so we disagree with that <laughs> that's <laughs> very first right. I, I brought that one up in purpose because like it's it's in every like everyone had said this like you need to write every day and of course most of them are like you know you can skip a day or two and you know you, you might get a little rusty whatever but it's like riding a bike and get right back into it and, and keep doing this thing and uh, yeah i don't know i kind of disagree with that i think Again, of course, they say you need to write every day. I think they take that seven days a week, writing 5,000 words a day. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's creating a schedule for yourself where you're consistently writing, where you don't have to feel like you have to get back on the bike. You know, right. you, you're biking every day. You're, you know, you're going, you're, people exercise every day. They go to work out for 30, 40 minutes a day. You know, finding something, a consistent pattern so you stick with it and you, like any, like any other activity, you only get better with the more you're doing it. Um, I completely agree with that. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, I feel like I haven't written anything that I've actually wanted to write like towards the next book in like mm-hmm. a couple of days now. And it's just like I've been distracted or I'm thinking more about logic issues. I'm too stuck on that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's terrible. Like now I'm like way off the bike. The bike has got a flat tire. So I've got one that's kind of related to this that I actually agree with. 
a writing myth here that is only right when you're inspired. That's another common one. I can, yeah, yeah. But I think you need a routine. You don't wait for inspiration. You structure, hopefully, a daily routine. Yes. And yes, it's okay if you miss a day here or there. Absolutely. But you don't wait for the muse or inspiration to strike you. You no. you give yourself the um the platform and and the time to come up with some stuff. Because if you wait for that moment where you're super inspired, you'll never happen. It may never happen. <laughs> <laughs> like it'll never happen. You'd be like, uh, yeah, inspiration hit. I guess I have to go do laundry now or go go to the grocery store. Right. It's, yeah. It's Other not... stuff creeps in. Yeah. Uh, so that's when you also disagree with right off the bat. Like, well, you no, need... I, I that's a writing myth that I think is correct. I, that you need Am to I phrasing wait. this incorrectly? I think, I, I think, I think you are. <laughs> you should you should not only write when you're inspired. Yes, agreed. Yes. So I think, uh, yes, okay. Yeah, I think it's most of the, the myth is written as the best writing is done when you're inspired, if we're going to like that. But yes, so we're, but we're on the same page. I think that's... For um, me, it's when I'm inspired, I take a note to make sure that when I sit down, you know, at the computer the next day that I have it. Yes. I don't just like stop what I'm doing and then run away from the people I'm with. <laughs> <laughs> I have read articles from working horse uh, writers out there. The ones who are just kind of cranking out stuff and not, not like so much where it's like, I'm cranking out a book every month, but you know, there's, I'm thinking of a, an author in particular who I follow. He's written a couple um, books in like the aliens series, um, mm. Scott Siegler. And he's, he's, he's got a bunch of videos on YouTube. I, I kind of really like him as just his approach to writing and, um, and more so course. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. And like, I okay. like his, his approach that way. It kind of fits in my, my kind of personality of how he writes and approaches work. And his view is like, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's his job, you know? So he's got like, he's got goals he has to hit every day. It's like any other job, you know, of course yep. these, these benchmarks he has to hit every day and, and he tracks that and he keeps an eye on it. And that's how he continues to write and do the thing that he loves to do. Sometimes you have to power through those moments of like, I'm not inspired to write. Because if mm -hmm. you want to write, you write consistently every day or six days a week, you know, not to the point where you're burning yourself out. But um, I think doing those, having that consistent thing will get you through that myth of you needing to be inspired every time you need to sit down and write. I agree. Other, I think general ones. So those are, those are the two biggest ones I came across the, you know, inspiration ones. Um, writers must read a lot as a myth. I keep seeing that I, one pop up. I yeah, don't know. I, I think writers should read a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's kind of like doing research, right? It's like, yeah, it's like researching your, your, your job, what you do. Yeah. Right? Like, and I would even say that while you're writing, you should be reading, maybe don't read in genre, like don't do things that are going to derail you and get, and get you off base. But I feel like yeah. you should be reading almost every day as you should be writing almost every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, to a, to a point where you're consistent and, but not to the point of burnout, you know, like that's, that's, I mean, for fun, I'm, I'm not saying like go write a research paper, but like read for fun. I think you kind of have to, you have to read within your genre and even outside of it to understand it. And you know, we've talked about that from genre expectations, you've got to read you know, you have to read those books and know what's going on, what's going out there, because people will pick up books. And if you're not writing the things that they're expecting, yeah, people will pick up on that, you know, unless yeah. it's, you've come up with some, you know, great story that changes that, that paradigm. But I think there's still people expect certain things from certain books and you have to read and understand what those things are. Yeah, I think where I landed was that I would do and I'm doing it now, like before I start writing, 
comp research about what's out there, what the genre expectations are, making sure that I'm not retreading old ground, I'm adding something new to the conversation yeah. while writing, continuing to read. But personally, and this is a personal preference for me, I'm going to avoid genre because it, it it's really hard to not feel derailed when you do that. I know I'm repeating yeah. myself here, but like when I was writing the last book, there's a lot of times that I picked up a comp and I was like, dude, I do the same thing. And then I had that moment of like, should I even continue? And yeah. anything I can do to minimize those like crisis subconscious, I'd like to. But I yeah. still think you should read almost every day. Yeah. And yeah, you should be writing almost every day. <laughs> yeah. So, and then some there, there's always like the, some of the, the more nitty gritty myths out there that you need to. Wait, hold on. Is that pompous? Is that like a pompous like thing to say? What? What's that? That you should read every day. Is that like. No. No. Go read a book. <laughs> <laughs> go to the library. Go to the library. Like, get a read comic a book. book. I don't know. Yeah, grab a book and go outside. Get off the internet. You know, does subtitles this... in a movie work? No. <laughs> no. Get a, go get a proper book and go read it outside in a park. Would you? What about listen? Reddit? Does that work? No. <laughs> no. No. I'm oh, not. Okay. So get, okay. get a book. You can be on Kindle, but get a book. Go out there and read. Would you? Go. You know, listen to this episode, then go read a book. <laughs> Click our linky links and then go go read a book. Uh, no, I don't think that's pompous at all. I think yeah, people should be reading. Maybe we're a little biased because <laughs> this is what we're what we're doing. But no, go read a book. Go see what's out there. Get inspired that way. That's also a good way to get inspired. To to it's a great example of you know only write when you're inspired. Well, if you want to get inspired, read another book and be like, yeah, I don't know, that's helped me in the past. Um, yeah, you know, I've read something and I was like. I'll tell you the blood meridian. I don't think I've ever felt more lost and, and, and felt like a, the, what am I doing? Why am I even attempt to read writing? But then also got inspired to be like, Oh, this would be, I love Westerns. I want to write a Western now. And I want to write a Western yep. horror. Cause this is amazing. So I think it goes both ways, right? You can read things that you consider super high quality that can inspire you. Can you can read things that you think maybe are low quality that also inspire you to like, Oh, I, I belong here. I can add yeah. my voice to this. Yeah, you know, so I've I've had you know all all parts of that spectrum. I like how so far we've we're we're bust, we're kind of myth busters. I think right, we're myth busters. <laughs> we're myth busters. Did we find the title for <laughs> the uh, for the episode? We might have to change it up here. Uh, but some, now there's other. I'm going to get into some more nitty gritty myths that are out there, which I kind of agree with. Uh, that you you know, there's the ones about you got to be you got to be really good at grammar you got to be you know have an education in writing and all those things i don't necessarily agree with those. i mean i agree with those that those are myths you don't need those things to write i wouldn't let it derail you i yeah. think you should have a basic grasp on grammar and and you can you know lean on sure. you know google docs or grammarly to assist it. but yeah. but but i think in order to break rules you should know the rules a, a little bit i agree i agree know the basics Yep. I could I, I could at least say that it's a potential tool in your toolbox. So yes. not that like that's fair. I mean, I loathe like I couldn't tell you what a gerund is. I still forget. I forget <laughs> what a gerund is. And I remember, you know, in like AP English a million years ago. Some kid I went to high school with gerund. Not gerund. knowing <laughs> gerund. <laughs> gerund Smith. He was a kid I went to high school with. <laughs> Real dick. <laughs> Leave a comment about what a gerund is. Um, so, yeah. But I do think like if you're getting into comma splices, if you're not intent, if you're like intentionally making a long run on sentence for tone or impact, cool. Yeah. But if you're making something that's really difficult to read, not cool, right? Yeah. In, yeah. Unless it's like very, it's all about your intention, I think. You know, ideally, in the way that I write is I want it to be as easy to read as possible, yeah. uh, break rules here and there, 
more to get attention or more for tone or impact. Yeah. Um, but it shouldn't just be like this absolute pastiche of broken rules. There needs to be a flow. And I think grammar sets up expectations of like it, you do yeah. eventually, you don't always want to draw attention to your sentences and to your word choice and whatever tricks you kind of want people. I, well, I personally want people to forget that they're reading. I want yes. them to picture things in their mind. Yep. Um, and I do think following grammar helps that flow. So maybe we disagree with each other here. No, I agree that we, you need to know you need to know the basics. I mean, I'll tell you right now, I'm pr- I'm pretty terrible at grammar, but I'll just say it. Um, I've gotten better with it and with the basics, but I was pretty pretty terrible with it. And just going through the whole the editing process was super helpful. So no, yeah. I, don't, I I don't think we disagree. I'm I'm on board. I think you know the basics, understand. Like anything else, understanding the rules so you know how to break them is important. Um, and I'd say, yeah, obviously, don't be discouraged. Right? I'm saying, like, I'm, I think I'm going more extreme. Like, you don't need to be some grammar perfectionist, you know, and know right. like all the ins and outs. And I think we're we're saying the same thing. So I agree with that. I agree with that. Just right, get the story down, get through it, you know. Um, and again, those are all things that you fix in later drafts, anyways. You know, it's you know, so. Um, and that comes to like another one I, I, I came across a couple times was that your first draft needs to be perfect. That's a myth. I think a lot of people maybe think that maybe new writers do because maybe there's this nervousness to it. I think I thought that was, I thought the same thing. And then after I read the, the first draft, I was like, oh, this is garbage. And I was like, oh yeah, this is pretty common and that's okay. Get it yeah, done. I, I think that's Get where the end. editing as you write comes from. Yeah. They're kind of like polishing what you have just written, um, which it was we've talked about before. It's just a recipe for never finishing. Yeah, I think you need to be really comfortable with the imperfections of your first draft. So I would agree that's a myth. Hundred hundred percent. Another myth I've come across, and we've talked about this. You need to you need to write about what you know. And I'm purposely bringing this one because we had an episode about this. Uh, yeah, I, know, okay. I know, I know, I know. I'm stirring the pot. <laughs> I'm also trying to remember what I said in that episode, so I'll probably say the complete opposite right now because I'm a different person. But you know, we'll see. The myth. So the myth is you need to write about what you know. I think we were like, you don't necessarily, you don't need to. Like, that's what research is for. This is why you go and explore things. But yeah, there's a lot of nuance here, right? I do think it's important to write things that you know. I think there's a lot of truth to it. I I think we could argue either way. Yeah, Um, I think you and I are probably on the same page in this one. So, I mean, I guess I would say write about what you know or write about what you're inspired to learn about. But don't just make stuff up. And don't wait to be inspired to write about that stuff. That you- yeah. <laughs> so when you were writing about fast radio bursts, did you know much about them? No. No, you did a bunch of research about it, right? Yeah, I'd, I'd heard but about it. But you were them. interested in learning more. and I knew of them, but I didn't know it's a fast radio burst. I mean, that's a, what, a, what a stupid name for something, fast radio burst. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay, it's a burst of a radio signal. It's moving fast. Okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I do yeah, think I, when it comes to like, interrelation like character relationships and you know you you write what you know you kind of write what you've seen or what you've lived like there's your lived experience that's there it's not all for me i feel like personal experience roots fictional characters yeah and if you just make up everything personally i think they could feel disingenuous like if you haven't felt a certain way and so i definitely put parts of my life and experiences i've had smattered across my characters they have their own too but I hope that that real lived experience helps ground them a little bit and gives them a certain authenticity. I'm going to say this, uh, and this is going to be a little off, but I think still in the vein of this whole thing, going back to the, like the history of where these myths come from, I have no idea, but, 
it's funny to see these and you're like, well, these came from somewhere. Someone said this at some point. You know, you've said in the past, like a lot of stuff like this becomes like kind of gatekeeping at some point. Maybe someone mm. was saying this to just be like, you don't want to do this thing because you know what? What do you know? You can't write anything because you don't know anything. Or you know, like you don't make any money writing fiction. Everyone knows that. Why would you want to get in this? You know? Yeah. It's, like, it's kind of interesting to see like some of these are just, and I mean, obviously they're all kind of debunked and I mean, some yes are true. Like, do you need to be super proficient at grammar? Do you need to have a education in writing to become a writer? No, you don't. Um, but some of these like higher level ones, like, you know, you need to write about what you know, you're writing every day. These feel like it's just interesting. So it's like, where do these come from? You know, how are these yep. manifesting themselves where now we have to like write articles to bust them so people go out and write? <laughs> hey, I think you're right. I think it's like to encourage folks and to make them not feel too, too discouraged. That's why I think sometimes that like the myths they're adding don't always help. Like the right everyday one yeah. could help somebody get into a routine who maybe didn't major in writing or English or didn't take any classes. Like yeah. you kind of have your own education through it, but that doesn't mean you don't need the experience to do it. I think you need repetition and experience in order to write successfully personally. Like that's my yeah. feeling. So yeah. um, I've got some that I, I, that I've heard that I think are totally myths. Um, Write drunk, edit sober. I've where that's like a bumper sticker. Where where does that come from? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I mean, I think it's been bandied about enough that I think that there is, especially for those who are in their early twenties, mm. or like I, 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 I forget that. I can speak as myself. Yeah. I remember being twenty two, <laughs> sitting down with a literal bottle of wine, <laughs> and writing, and being like, "This is how I write." And cigarette. it starts bad and then two glasses in it's just like walking into a party you get a little more comfortable yeah and you feel like since you're a little buzzed it's easier right because like the ideas are coming i think there is something to be said a little bit for the ease in which words come when you're drinking yeah yeah but it's not repeatable it's not cons i mean that's alcoholism right it's not to say it doesn't <laughs> work temporarily it can it can like get you out of funk yeah but you don't want to write drunk all the time you're not bukowski you know like it doesn't end well <laughs> yeah if it, yeah it feels like um it feels very like that uh that mystical side of the great american author right the, the Ernest hemingways and stuff like this where yes. the stories of them just locking themselves in a room and the getting tortured drunk and, and that's another one right like that's, the lonely yes. tortured artist yeah you don't you just you don't need that <laughs> no. you don't you don't need to be tortured to be an artist <laughs> yes yeah I think it, I mean, I think that there is something to be said about people Pain. being drawn to those personalities. Yes. But that is not the recipe for a happy life. No. Or even repeatable art, right? Yeah. You just can't continue to do it. And then I would even say that if for some odd reason you happen to be successful at being one of these tortured, lonely, drug addled drinking artists. Yeah. And then eventually you grow out of it or you get clean, your brand's changed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You'll get one book done by the end of it. <laughs> yeah. You better hope it's good. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that ties right to the lonely artist, to the starving artist, all those kind of myths of, you know, isolationist artists. I think it's um, romanticized and, and and sometimes even marketed is like something that like you need to strive for. And uh, it's it's a myth. I feel like it's a myth and, and a really dangerous one because yeah. if writing is about connecting and communicating with folks, you can't do it alone. You, yeah. you need to be talking to people, whether it be fellow writers or family or friends. Like you, in order to write something that's authentic and relatable, 
you need to relate to to people. You can't yeah. just beat yourself up in the corner of a house. You know, there's time, obviously, which ties to another myth. I do think that you should write alone. And I do think that you should set aside time to write. I'm not yep. saying don't do that. Just don't always like make sure that there's room that I'd say that there's a beginning and an end. Like you give yourself one to three hours to write. Yeah. And then before and after that, you give yourself an opportunity to connect with people and participate in the world. Yeah. Which will, I think, help your writing and your mental state. Because, I mean, writing's lonely enough. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to wear some costume like you're some lonely, starving artist. Yeah. And again, it's just coming back to like, I don't want to, I, again, I don't, I'm not equating this to a job, you know, for, but there yeah. are, like, again, this comes back to like, if this is something you're professionally pursuing and then you're a professional writing and you work on mm. novels and you get a book out every year or two, you, you need to have that time. You need to have your own space. You need to have your own workspace. You have to have your own work, like, no matter what you do, yeah. like, you have to have your own workspace to get work done. So it's the same thing. So it's not any different than any other job or any work you would do if you're focused on something. So yeah, I, yeah, think that, I agree. That myth, that myth is just kind of, it's, yeah, that's a get out of here. So I do think writing sometimes crops up art in general, right? Is a potential escape hatch from a nine to five. Like, yep. These kind of quote unquote shadow artists who, yep. And I, I've used it in that way too. And I think it's therapeutic and wonderful to do it. Absolutely. But if you want to dedicate your time to create, you know, a soup to nuts piece of art, a painting, a book, it is a job. You're totally right. It's not just it's inspirational work. escapism. You yeah. know, it can it's... be if you're journaling or, or maybe, maybe, maybe poetry, maybe. Yeah. But even yeah. prose, but even there, like there's, I, I still feel like it's, there's a, I don't want to say workhorse, but there, there does need to be a seriousness about it and and a professionalism yeah. to it. Another one that I've seen around is um, writers are born. You know, this idea that there's some kind of divine, you know, maybe genetic, godly. Yeah. I don't know that you come out and you are a writer. Um, I don't think that's at all. I think it can certainly be a, a learned talent. There could be certain people who have upbringings that make them more predisposed to want to write, but anybody who's, in, who's interested can be a successful writer. I truly yep. feel that way. 100%. So in talking to some writers, that I haven't seen this online, but I do think that it is a relatively pervasive myth amongst new writers hmm. uh, that you don't need to follow structure or research the beats. Hmm. I feel like you absolutely need to. That's like the bit back to the basic tools you'd have. As yeah, a, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the difference between writing for therapy and as escape and then mm -hmm. writing kind of professionally to tell like a, you know, beginning to end story. I think you, you do need to know all those tools and all those components to do it successfully. There's another one. I, we've kind of covered this, but we've covered an episode too. Uh, writer's block. Right. So I've seen online that people think that's a myth. I don't think that's a myth. <laughs> you think it's real? Writer's block? Yeah. 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 What about you? I, now I'm trying to remember what we said in that episode. <laughs> we may have a, had a big uh, disagreement on one. That's a tough one. So I feel like it's absolutely real. What I saw is that it's, there's no such thing as writer's block. There's distraction. There's procrastination. And there are those things, right? But there's a false dichotomy. To me, writer's block absolutely exists. And I think it exists for the reasons why I brought up in that writer's block episode is that there is a fear of... um the quality of your work, that your ideas aren't going to come. I, I think that that fear and that kind of cortisol in your, I mean, if we're getting like a, a little bit like on the 
on the brain chemistry side, it ruins creativity. I think as soon mm -hmm. as you get into like anxiety and that fear reaction, your creativity, that part of your brain is not working correctly because you're focusing on like fight or flight or, you know, all these like these imagined fears, right? So I think that's what writer's block is, is that your brain literally just can't create for a minute and then you need to kind of reset from it. I, I yes, I think the the way people look at it is like there's no way to get out of it type of thing. Like, oh, I've got a writer's block, so I can't do anything. Okay, well, have you like are you working too hard and you're just kind of stuck? Or if you're just stuck on something, I remember and actually in that episode we talked about it. I think some of the ways I got out of this quote unquote writer's block was yeah, go for a walk. Yeah. You know, get, you know, get out of your get out of your space. Go for a walk. Get some fresh air. Uh, you know, I sit and read. You know, get inspired again and come back. Um, yeah. So it's a weird one. I think does it is for me? It, it's that self doubt, man. I feel like self doubt creeps in, and at least that's one of the one of the reasons why writers block and manifest. I think hundred percent agree. I think there's multiple things that kind of get to kind of catch you there. I think I came across times, you know, while writing that I would sit there. I was like, okay, where am I starting right now with this? You know. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a, there's ways to get through it. One is like, if you're starting fresh and you're in fresh, clean, clean, new page, read the last you know chapter or last pages of, of what you wrote the day before and gets you back into it. Um, or just start writing something, knowing that you can come back and edit that. And I, I think there's a line of like people thinking there's like a laziness to it, or you're not in the mood to write, which again, I mean, I think some days you're not in the mood before. to work, which is fine, right? Some days you're on the mood to go to your job. <laughs> so. Like, if we're looking at the impetus why a lot of these lists exist, and you know, while they're why why folks are challenging the myths, is you're right. They're they're trying to make writing more accessible. Totally yeah. get it. I am totally completely in agreement. So I think the reason why writers block in here is they're saying, "Don't worry, you don't have it. You can't have it. Doesn't exist. Go write." Yeah. And, and to me, that's detrimental. <laughs> Because I think it does exist, and I think there's ways to manage it to get past it, not and not by ignoring it. I think it's a real thing. I think what you, I think that's it. I think you just kind of summed it up, and I think we're kind of battering around it. And I agree that it, it does, you know, it does exist as something. But the the key thing is that there's ways to work through it. Yep. And I think yeah, that's the key. The end I think all. it's not the end all be all. And I feel like the context of sometimes when that's brought up, like I've got writer's block is not correctly uh, maybe stated or the reasons of being there aren't. And aren't. I do think like the media examples that we have of writer's block of like Jack Nicholson and The Shining or things like that. It's not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it's a kind of a trope, you know, the writer who can't write, like even in Alan Wake and Alan Wake 2, there's this idea, you know, like a, a writer who can't write, you know, needs to go away somewhere and, yeah. you know, has mental health issues or something. <laughs> um, I don't think that's what writer's block is necessarily. I think that's kind of the romanticized narrative trope of writer's block. And I would say that iteration of it. No, I don't, I don't believe that exists. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's funny. I was going to bring this up earlier too. So a lot of these myths are kind of um, romanticized and, or I think reinforced in like media movies, yeah. and even books we, we read by the writers who are, you know, these lonely drunk people who are, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, um, totally. It's kind of, it's interesting. Cause it's, it's a, uh, it definitely is this weird uh, circle of kind of feeding, feeding these myths through the, through the things that we're actually creating. Yeah. Uh, but it's really just about writers potentially tapping into something that they're feeling and which multiple other people were also feeling, but they're expressing it in a way that's maybe will come across as like this drunk writer who can only write when I'm alone and locked in my room, you know? <laughs> yeah. What else you want to, any other ones you want to cover here? Yeah, I got one that it's a myth that I think is actually true, at least personally. Characters take over the story 
I've so seen that one. I won't up say they times. always have to take over the story, but I would say allow your characters the room and the freedom yeah. to take over the story. Once again, I think it's one of those myths that's kind of shared to not gatekeep writing. Yeah. But it's a pretty cool feeling when your characters, when you have a good enough handle on your characters, when they begin to feel like they're making their own decisions. Like, no, it's not otherworldly. And then, no, it's not a haunting or something. Yeah. But when you're in the shoes of that character allowing them the freedom to make something that maybe betrays your outline or you know their dialogue changes or they they make completely different decisions that change your plot i think a little bit you should leave the room for that because i think that's if you're surprised if your characters are surprising you you are potentially surprising a reader that's my feeling yeah so outlines are super important but but i do think that the freedom to change them is and have your characters evolve and grow from away from your first conception of them is a really cool thing to to give them space to do. This myth feels like one that is overly exaggerated and other writers are taking it too serious. Mm. I think other writers or people who are trying to offer this advice and these myths are taking that thing too. So I think they take a lot of these things too seriously, but I think that one in particular, because I agree, give your characters room to breathe. But it's also knowing what your characters and their decisions that they would make in a situation. I think that's where it's coming from. Like, let them kind of mm-hmm. help you get through it. My own story, I've written something where I'm like, this character wouldn't do this. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that is like the letting your characters take control of, of kind of, the, you know, what's happening. Yeah. Um, I think it's understanding who they are, understanding their behaviors, understanding their motivations, understanding their flaws. And yeah. I think that's where it's about like you're letting your characters take control and knowing what decision that they would make you not imposing all of a sudden based on things you've already created for them. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think that tends to happen, right? Like probably end of act one, act two, like you've lived with them for a while. Yeah. Like you can't know your characters until you write as them for a while. I think, I think if you're sitting yeah. with them for five hours a day or even an hour a day, whatever you're doing. Yeah. I, I do think that your perspective of them will change and yeah. and what you and what the story needs from them will change. Yeah. 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 They're not actually writing the book for you. Don't be so literal when you read these, <laughs> you know, everyone out there. Don't be so literal when you read when you hear these myths. Like no shit, you've got to write the words and write the story. Like don't yeah. be so literal. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to. <laughs> Uh, but that's that. Uh, that is a good one. That's a good one. Cause I, uh, that one definitely comes up. I've heard that one quite a bit, and people call it a little cliche. And where it's like, yeah, stop taking it so literally and serious. Like it's and the last little... one, and I won't say for all writers, mm-hmm. but one that I think is true. Not that they have to be always, yeah. but writers are obsessed. I think there is an obsessive nature. I, I think it's hard to not live your story. You don't need to be obsessive and ramble on about it to people who don't want to listen. No, but there is an obsessive component that when you're writing a story, it creeps in in the shower before bed when you're walking and when you're away from the computer, the story continues, which is why, like, I think writers are consistently taking notes, whether it be on their iPhone or on note cards or in a journal about their story, because that's just how your brain works. Like, you've got a problem in a puzzle and you kick it up and your brain just goes on solving it and putting things together. I've had so many ideas away from the computer. Oh, yeah. That I've taken notes on and come back to. And I think that there is an obsessive nature to it. Like, I've never felt so focused on something for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that kind of a, well, not that I'm, I'm no uh, psychologist over here, but I mean, isn't there a line of like, if you're that invested and passionate about something that you're doing, that you become 
obsessive it tends to be a really negative word, but I think it can also be like, you're just, you're that invested in it that you are thinking about it on your off hours. Yeah. And you're excited about it, man. Like, yeah. I think that's, I think it's the, that should be the, 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 you know what, that's the word to be used. Excited, not obsessive. Like I'm excited right. about this thing. Obsessive has this negative connotation to it, which yes, it can be if it's bleeding and ruining relationships and the way you're living and you're now all of a sudden locked in your room and you're drinking and writing. I mean, I would tell you, man, <laughs> but, if, <laughs> I would ramble on about writing to anybody that would listen to me. I know I can't, this is why you and I do do this once a week <laughs> so, we get it out, so we don't ruin our friendships. My, everyone's like, oh, here he goes. I felt it happening. You know, at first, like my wife was like interested and then it was like, no, okay. okay. So I'm like, okay, no more talking. No more, no more talking about that. And even like if it's like a barbecue situation or a school pickup, I give myself like a 30 second clip. Just and then to I'm see like, if anyone's... and how are you doing? No, then I just let it go, right? Because oh. you know, I could talk for hours. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it's like, oh, man, that weather kind of crazy, huh? How about them Red Sox, huh? <laughs> Gives a shit about that stuff. Like, yeah, it's cold out. I know. I'm right here. <laughs> I saw what the score was last night. We all know this. Come on, move on. <laughs> Let's talk about something yeah. interesting. I think excited. Being excited is 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 different because I think that's that's a I think there's a there's a positive side to that. There's a positive thing about being excited about something you're invested in and you hope that you're surrounded by people who are also supportive and excited for you. Obviously, don't be so excited where you're, you're obnoxious. Um yeah. and once so, again, I think it's a gatekeeping thing. I think the yeah. folks who are writing these up don't want people to feel like if you're not obsessed, you can't be a writer. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I think on the flip and side, that, and right? that's okay. You don't. I mean, but I will say that if you event, begin to care about what you're writing, yeah, you know, expect it to start creeping in. There'll be a bleed. It yeah. bleeds into the rest of your day. It it, it can't not. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good. That's a good good little point there too. If you're not, if people, that maybe that's a myth. Like if you're not obsessed, you know, uh, right? That you're. No, you uh, need a routine. I think, and the, but I think eventually the obsession creeps in. I think it, it happened to me. Uh, me as well and uh you know especially when i'm when i'm in it you know, my brain is just focused on on this thing and i'm trying to get myself back into it it's i've fun. got one more myth that i wholeheartedly agree with one more myth. you ready for the last one i think this, this is, is the this topper it. i think this is it give it to me getting published will make you happy oh yeah no i don't think it will no i think that's a huge myth i think writing has the potential to sometimes make you happy and sometimes be fun and other times be miserable and yeah. not fun. Yeah. Um, but I think if you, I think if there's this arrival fallacy, like marriage or something, you know, if I just get married or have a baby, then I'll be happy. <laughs> if I just publish this book, then I'll be happy. Yeah. I, I no. think it's a very hollow victory. I agree. I think you need Maybe to. hollow goal. Yeah. And not, not put something like that on such a pedestal. I think the, I think the success uh, is obviously different from person to person, however you measure that. But don't think putting something like that on the pedestal of like this is what's going to make me happy. Um, yeah, I think completing. I, mean, I think completing the work. I think getting to totally. the end and getting to a point where you're like, I completed this thing. You isn't this, this thing. Isn't this awesome? And yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I think even the mini goals, right? I think yep. you know, you set a word count. Maybe it's a hundred a day, five hundred a day, thousand a day. These little goals along the way, you get these little dopamine hits. You know, mm -hmm. like you are, you have little goals little goal posts that you're reaching, you're crossing. For me, if you're writing for the adulation of the final product, yeah. um, a really, really small subset of writers will get any adulation, right? Will get any attention for what they write. Um, and I think the ones that get it, I don't, still don't think it makes you happy. I, I think no. you can write your whole life. You can write novels your whole life as long as you don't get discouraged because you're not getting the praise that you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? 
think about it. You could do anything you want your whole yeah. life as long as you don't want to be praised for it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. I um, I don't know. I published a book. I was like happy as like I completed. It was like the next goal that I completed, but it wasn't yep. like the end all be all. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, the book opening. I think that was awesome. I was like, actually, what made me happy was sharing it. That was fun. And then yep. I think what makes me happy is working on the next one. <laughs> Even me, right? So like, I'm querying right now. The book's done. That made me happy. I'm querying. That's making me sad. <laughs> but the thing that's giving me like oxygen again that's making me happy is the next story you know i'm starting to put that puzzle together and starting to outline that that's where i personally am getting that positive reinforcement that dopamine that, that energy to keep going and keeping it up so okay uh yeah i think i don't know i feel pretty good we covered a lot of myths there we kind of covered the good ones we covered the ugly ones the yeah. good ones the ugly ones the bad ones the good the bad and the ugly ones uh and i feel is pretty good about how busting? Yeah, I think we busted a lot of them. I think we agreed with some of them. I also think a lot of them are just um, exaggerations <laughs> and people yeah. just need to not take them so seriously and be like, take everything with a little bit of, you know, caveat, a little caviar, you know. Maybe that's the deal is that it's really hard to have nuance in a bolded list on a clickbait website. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, What do you, you've been reading or watching anything lately? So I just started... Um, Little Children by Tom Parada. He's okay. the guy that wrote Election and The Leftovers. Oh, okay. Leftovers is the one that's on. Uh, oh, yeah. Tom yeah. Parada. I know, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's good so far. It's, yeah. I'll say his writing is really brisk. It is like mm. eating a bag of chips. It's <laughs> really, really easy to read. Um, and not that it's simple. It's just that I think he's got a good handle on character. He's, he uses pretty easy word choice. He's pretty good at painting a scene. Yeah. Coming off of, um, you know, ghost story, which was like really thick. It was more like eating sand um, <laughs> or even Don DeLillo's White Noise, which is wonderful, but still it's a yeah. thick read. There's a lot going on. Um, Parada seems very focused on story. It's not really drawing attention to how clever he is as a narrator or, or writer. It's just um, yeah. so far really easy to read. I, I'm, I can't tell if I'd recommend it yet. It's still in early days. It almost feels like a romance novel. I know it's not. Interesting. Yeah. But it's like about, it's a critique on, maybe not a critique, but not even a satire. An example of suburban married life with kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's like a very suburban story. So hmm. I thought it would be more along the lines of white noise because that really is a critique and a satire. But this is, yeah. feels very grounded in a way and it feels comedic in a way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll let you know. It's so far, it's good. I'll definitely, I'm definitely going to pick up some more of his books just because. They're easy breezy. They're nice yeah. to read so far. Um, it's it's what a like what a, a cleanser. What a um. I didn't put together that. I, I love the leftovers. The show on HBO. I was really into that. Um, yeah. You know, he was uh, who's a showrunner for that one. Uh, our our favorite guy to to love to hate. <laughs> Lindelof. Oh my goodness, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is him. Kind of okay. All right, I can deal with this. Uh, I didn't know that there was a novel. Um, I would probably check that out because I really enjoyed that that series. But what a what a tone change from like election. Like the I'm thinking the I'm, I'm thinking sure. the movie with like Matthew Broderick and and uh, oh god, who else was in that? But um, Reese Witherspoon. Reese, that's it. And that was like kind of like this little satire, dark comedy kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, which I which I think that the leftover I don't know see I haven't read the book but the going by the about tone the rapture, of this book like, right yeah it'll be interesting because if it's the same tone yeah. then I can see comedy being yeah. in that story right and absurdity being in that story that even though 
in the HBO show, it felt very grounded and dire. Yeah. Um, so it'll be, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check it out and read it because I'm not sure. And Lindelof, it's funny, like one of the reasons why I finished The Leftovers was because I was like, it's based on a book. There has to be an ending. Yeah. They, like they must have planned an ending. Cause that's always my fear with, fear with him is that it's this mystery box, J.J. Abrams joint where it's like, we're just writing to write and we'll make up the ending when we're yeah. working on the third season. <laughs> but I, like but I think that the leftovers book, I don't know if it covers subsequent seasons. Yeah. I, yeah. I think some of it kind of goes off, but don't quote me on that. I'm not hundred percent sure. I'll have to read it, but I, yeah, I, I, I was really into that show. Uh, great connection. Tom Prada here, uh, born and raised in New Jersey. Uh, currently lives in Boston. Well, not Boston, but in Massachusetts in Belmont. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'm impressed with his writing. I think he's super, super talented. I mean, if you can, it's one of those books where the words melt away. You know, it's really easy to picture the scenes and and just be in it. So, and then as far as watching, not much. Playing, I'm playing Alan Wake 2. It's about a writer. (laughs) Who's the stories that he's writing are coming true. Maybe you should stop diving into the media of these stories about writers writing as writers. (laughs) You don't like them. um, Alan Wake 2 is actually quite great. There's another protagonist. Um, her name's Saga Anderson, and she's an FBI agent. And that's more of like this procedural seven type story that's going on that kind of intertwines with the uh, intertwines with the Alan Wake story. So um, it's great. It's a huge improvement over the first Alan Wake. And the, yeah. the story so far seems pretty interesting, minus the writer writing about writing. Uh, how about you? What are you watching? You reading anything? Oh, I've been a little lazy lately. Uh, reading wise, I'm almost done with. I think last time I was, I just started uh, "Darkness Take My Hand" by Dennis Lehane. Um, it's the second book in his crime private investigator series, Kenzie and Gennaro. Um, it's really good. It's serial killer stuff, which is kind of fun all around mm-hmm. Boston, which is fun. I think I commented before. This is only the second book I've read from him, but. To, I'm going to continue reading his stuff. It just the way he structures paragraphs and, and scenes and, and uh, just his writing in general is a very nice smoothness to it. Similar to what you're saying. It sounds like the Tom Parada where it, you, you just kind of, you move along. It kind of pulls you in. And I think the way he's writing and structuring his words plus the, the story itself is just kind of a fun crime crime mystery. And I'm still working on Dune Messiah very slowly. I kind of paused in that because I wanted to get this, this book done so I can... Yeah. Load up my Kindle with more library books. And then as for watching, I have been, I have not been watching anything, uh, anything really. <laughs> I've been watching Letterkenny and I need something okay. light. I need something light in my life. So I've been watching that. I absolutely love that show. Uh, and if you're interested in, in, in terms of writing and very quick, witty stuff, that show is fantastic. Uh, yeah, we made it a few seasons in. Uh yeah, I think we we might have faded off around season four, and then I kicked up Shorzy, which was uh, okay. Love Shorzy. Well, as a yeah. as a as a hockey fan and a hockey player, Shorzy is just is just right. Um, I mean, I'll kick it up. Yeah, it's, it's only two I seasons. I can't watch those around the kids. Any of them? No, around the kids? no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Letterkenny, yeah, it's 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 good. They're uh, I love how they get into some of their their rhyming, very word uh, play moments. It's kind of fun. Yeah, um, and sometimes it's stuff to keep up with. Um, but yeah, kind of enjoying that just for like something a little lighter fare. Um, well, palate cleanser. Yeah. Palate cleanser. I would say I, I, I was watching that show Yellowstone. I just got through the third season, which is probably not very much something I would go for, but everyone kept talking about it. And, 
You got a problem on the ranch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another problem on the ranch. I got another problem on the ranch here. <laughs> family. It's all about family. I'm gonna do whatever I can for my family. Another problem on the ranch. So it's it's fine. There's there's a uh, good and bad things I think about it, but um, that's maybe for another podcast. So yeah, that's been it. All right. So that's it. I think uh, we're wrapping this up. So thanks everyone for listening. Um, what are we doing next? Next next episode, we are getting into. Finding your voice. Finding your voice. <laughs> I couldn't find mine for a second. Did, did we do that and, on purpose? Yes. Was that, yes. Was that, was that purpose uh, tension building? Maybe. Could we not find our voices? Uh, yes, that's what we're going to do next episode. So I got one little stinger here for those who stuck around. Mm. I've got the definition of gerund for you. Not a high school friend of mine. I looked him up. He wasn't no, actually. No, it was he, not Jaron Smith. He does not that actually. Gerald Smith. Yes, uh, he actually doesn't exist. Jaron Smith doesn't exist. <laughs> He's no uh, longer Jaren existing. Word, he was, oh, you're okay. existing. Yeah. No. <laughs> Go so ahead. Jaren does a word like swimming. Mm. So in Learning. a sentence, it would be, I've always enjoyed swimming. So it's when a verb functions as a noun. There you go. Look at us. Jaren, grammar Jaren. experts. <laughs> Myth busted. <laughs> Myth busting. <laughs> it was one of those ones when you said it, I was like, oh, I remember what this is. Is that just the ING thing? I didn't think of that until afterwards when we read it. I was like, it's just the ING thing mostly, but I know there's more to it. There's going to be grammar people listening to this right now and be like, ugh. 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 Uh, that's great. I'm glad we did that. Um, if you enjoyed the episode, you should share with some someone else. Share with a friend. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram, Writer Syndrome Books. We're still on Twitter, Writer underscore Syndrome, but probably not for very long. Yeah. Uh, not a great place. You can uh, f- subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to us and on YouTube at Writer Syndrome. Uh, and you can go find all of our episodes. Reach out to us if you're a writer, author, or just want to reach out to us with ideas, topics, or want to interview, you can find our contact information and all the other episodes at writersyndrome.com.